during one of the songs, uh, This is Amazing Grace, there was a line in it, and I know that song, I've, I've heard it many times on the radio, and, and, uh, but I guess I never caught the, sign, the, 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 the line. There's a line in there that says, Who makes the, the orphans a son and daughter? And when, when, I heard, when I read that and sang that, I just thought, Oh man, that's kind of what we've been talking about in Ephesians a little bit, is that we are adopted into the family, and that, that is truly, truly what God's amazing grace does for us. That, uh, that he makes us uh, uh, part of his family. My kids, and I don't know where they get this, but my kids will occasionally like to make fun of me. Well, I know where they get it because I'm that way. I, I make fun of people and uh, make fun of my wife occasionally. Uh, but my kids, when they get the opportunity, they like to mock me a little bit and make fun of me. And, and one of the ways they do that, if a conversation happens to go where we're talking about times in the past, uh, particularly at times that maybe they got in trouble or I got just a little bit worked up over something, th- they will point out that, that if, I'm, if I was yelling at them, I'm not yelling at them, but I was correcting them, uh, that I, when I talked to them, I would do this. I'd raise, and I know I do that when I preach too, especially if I get animated. I'd, I'd do this. And so they, they want to make fun of me. They'll, they'll like, well, Dad, you, you know, and do that. But apparently sometimes, if not all the times, I don't just do that I, and... I, I question whether I should tell you this, because now you're going to look for it. I don't just do this, but apparently I do this. Apparently I, I, I tuck my thumbs under for some reason. I don't know why that happens. So if I get preaching today and I get going, you're going to look, and you know, if I see you all nodding, it'll be, yeah, they're really getting with me, or nope, he, he tucked his thumbs. But, uh, uh, but they, they, they make fun of me. They, they mimic me, I guess is what you would say. We're, we're talking from Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse, uh, verses 1 and 2, actually, where we're called, where, where Paul calls us and challenges us. Actually, we pointed out that he's make, uh, he really raised the bar when he does this, but wants us to be imitators of God. He wants us to see who God is and then try to imitate God and be like Him. And we're kind of looking at some of the words, some of the definitions of, of what it means to imitate. One of those is, and we're going to look at that today, and quickly at a couple others, but one of those is, is to mimic. But last week, uh, we, we looked at the definition to follow the example of. Uh, and we pointed out just two simple things in review, that we have to be close enough to see if we're going to follow the example of God and the example of Christ, if we're going to imitate Him, we have to be close enough to see Him. We have to put ourselves in positions and places where we can see God. It's kind of what Chad was saying as a church, we want to put uh, with kids, we want to put kids in a position that they can see who Jesus is. They can see his love uh, and, and his compassion and his heart by being involved in that. So you have to be close enough to see. You also have to be close enough to know. Uh, our, our kids are, are moved by us. They, 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 they end up loving things that we love because they're around us all the time. They know us. They know our hearts. And we have to be close enough to God to know him. So the second thing we're going to look at this morning, uh, the second definition is... To mimic. Now, when you mimic someone, you become, you become like that person. You act like that person. Uh, an example, probably this is where we would see it most, is oftentimes comics will impersonate someone. And when they impersonate someone, they study the person's voice, they study their speech pattern, they study their body movement so that, that they can be just like them. Paul calls us to imitate God, and, and, and I'm going to make a point here this morning, there's an aspect, aspect of that where God calls us 
to, to mimic God. Now, uh, uh, now, now that's a positive thing. You, you see, sometimes, well, actually, it's not, more, it's not sometimes, oftentimes, we, we, we struggle to have the heart of God. Oftentimes, we, it, it's a struggle for us to, to have the characteristics that God wants us to, to have. Uh, things happen to us, uh, uh, we find ourselves in situations, and our, our, our thoughts, our actions, our response, our, our heart... Uh, kind of goes back to a default mode, almost goes back to, to the old man type thinking, uh, and doesn't reflect God very well. See, sometimes the best that we can do, the best that we can do is to try to simply mimic God, to try to be like Him. So, so when people see us, they see God. In other words, it may not be coming from our heart that much. Uh, we may be really struggling to feel that way. It may not seem natural. It may not be what we want to do, but we know God's calling us to something. We know that God's calling us to a certain action. And so maybe our inspiration isn't real strong, but the best that we can do is simply say, okay, this is God, and I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to mimic Him. I'm going to try to be like Jesus. I'm going to do the best that I can. Catch this. Sometimes our actions and I mean this positively, sometimes our, our, our walk with Him and our, our faith action, sometimes it's not real authentic. It's not coming from our heart, but it's coming from a desire to simply be like God. God, if I can just, if I can just act like You. So it may not be authentic, but we're trying the best that we can. A few months ago, our daughter Crystal, and I, I mentioned her uh, once before, uh, uh, we adopted our, uh, Crystal in, through foster care when she was 15. Uh, and Crystal and her family came to, to visit one week, and we went to church there at Central. And, uh, Crystal and her husband, Nick, went to Sunday school class with us. Uh, after church, we went out to eat, and then Reed and I went to Sam's Club. Uh, while we were in Sam's Club, we ran into a guy from our Sunday school class, Jeff Moutre. And, and uh, so we stopped and was talking to Jeff, and, and I'll never forget, it was, it was hilarious. Jeff, Jeff got talking, he said, he said, man, I... In Sunday school, I, I was looking at your wife, I was looking at Rita, and I was looking at your daughter. Now, I looked at Rita, and then I looked at your daughter, and I thought, man, you can sure tell her that she, tell that she's her daughter. She looks exactly like her. And we just both kind of smiled, and finally said, Jeff, uh, she's adopted. Really? Now, I couldn't wait to call Crystal to tell her, because she loves it when people think, and first time you meet her, you'll think the same thing. Like, hey, she does look like, uh, like Rita. The truth is, she's not authentic. Now, now she is, because she's part of our family, but... But, but see the point there. Sometimes, sometimes when, we, when, we, when we're called to serve and we know what we're supposed to do, our heart may just... Uh, and the best we can do is say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to act like you. Let me give you some, let me give you some examples uh, uh, of this. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says this. Uh, you know this verse. You've heard that it, it, it was said... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever had a time where I've had someone that I identified as an enemy. Now, that's kind of a strong word. I don't know that I have enemies, but, but someone that's done me wrong, someone that's hurt me, someone that's sought to cause problems in my life. In my life. I don't think I've ever had a... In fact, I can tell you this. I've never had a single time when I've identified someone as an enemy, where my natural response was, I'm going to love them. I've never had someone 
try to get me fired and say, can I give you a hug? Uh, someone who's done something wrong and, and, and my natural response is, is warm and fuzzy. I'm going to love that person. Boy, what, can I, what good thing can I, can I do for you? What, what positive thing? How, how then can I love enemies? See, those enemies might be, uh, they might be in our family. There's plenty of family stories out there. Uh, I can tell you extended family or, or my, my dad's family where, boy, their siblings were enemies of one another. You might have stories like that in your families or know of those. M- maybe those enemies might be at work. I- I'm sure you all work with someone that's, that makes life difficult. Maybe it's in the community. And dare, dare I cross this line, maybe even in the church, we might have someone that just grades us the wrong way that we struggle with, how then, how then can we love them? We imitate Jesus. It, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, because the truth is, we really can't, but how do we do it? We, we see Jesus. Now, how did Jesus love his enemies? In uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, this is what it tells us there. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, and, and another way to put that, another way you could, could, could apply that, is why we, we were his enemies. Christ died for us. See, here's the reality, is I, I am an enemy of Christ, oftentimes. Certainly before I came to know him, I was, but, but there's times I still act like an enemy of God. I, I know what I need to do, but there's times in my life that I, you know, God, I know what you say, but I'm going to go this direction. God, God, I know that you're God, but you know, right today, I kind of like, I kind of like my thinking a little better, and I think I'm going to be God today because I can, I can handle this, and I go my direction. There's times that I live like an enemy of God, and, and Scripture says, while I was still His enemy, while I was still a sinner, when He knew that I was never going to, never be perfect, that I was not going to have a perfect life, He still died for me. He still loved me his enemy. He, see, he demonstrates, that, uh, he demonstrates that for us. Now, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the practical applications are going to be for you. Uh, if that enemy is in a family, a family member or someone at work or someone in the community, someone even in the body, I, I don't know how that is, but but, but what God calls you to do is, is simply say, show me. Show me how I can love. It may not be natural. It may be forced. It may be difficult. Um, but God, show me. Love my family? Man, I can do that. Uh, lo- love, uh, love my church family? Hey, that's easy. Love people who are like me? I can do that. Boy, love someone that's an enemy? But we're called to do that. Maybe the best we can simply do is, maybe the best we can do is just try to mimic, try to follow the example of, of, of Jesus. Jesus goes on, though, and, and uh, not just enemies, but he also comes up with another group that's difficult to love. See, by his example and by his life, we see it, we see it uh, all throughout Scripture. Jesus loved the unlovable. Uh, you know the passage, the, the story of, of, of separating the sheep from the goats in Matthew chapter 25. And, 
And Jesus points out when you did it for the least of these. And he goes kind of through a list there. They were naked and you gave them clothing. They were hungry and you fed them. They were in prison and you visited them. All of that, that's, that's basically what we're supposed to do. But, but Jesus throughout his ministry was drawn to, uh, was impassioned by, by people that messed up. Uh, he was drawn to sinners. He was drawn uh, to, to tax collectors who had turned their back on their nation. He was, he was called to prostitutes and everyone who struggled. People who, who were down and out and people who, because of their own decisions, decisions they had made had messed up. That's who Jesus was drawn. He was drawn to people that are hard to love. People that, that if you love them, it's going to take time. It's going to take investment. It's going to take your heart. Jesus calls us to love, love people that are unlovable, that, lovable, that are hard to love. How can I do that? You know, there's sometimes that I just don't feel like that. It's not my heart. But I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And the best I can do is say, okay, God, I'm going to try. The cool thing, though, is when we, when we choose to love or do anything simply because God has called us to do it, uh, the interaction with our response to his leading creates a change in our heart. And then our heart does begin to love. Our heart does begin to have passion for them. Uh, not only did Jesus call us to love, and that's difficult, Jesus also called us to forgive. Uh, look there in Ephesians chapter 4, the last verse of, uh, of the previous chapter, verse 32, says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, uh, uh, just as in Christ God forgave you. We are called, uh, we are called to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't come natural. Now, now, maybe it does with a spouse, maybe it does with your kids, it, maybe it does with your closest of friends, but, but when people do you wrong, your natural response is not just, oh, no big deal, I'm going to forgive them. That's not our natural response. What is? Our natural response tends to be a little bit more towards revenge. I want to get even. I'm going to make sure they pay. They hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, Paul there says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't feel like forgiving. That's not my natural response. Sometimes I'm called to just simply do what God has asked me to do. See, see when, when someone wrongs me, I, I, I don't naturally ask, oh, no big deal, I forgive you. Oh, you spread a rumor about me? I forgive you. Uh, oh, you, 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 uh, uh, you, you spread some lies about me? No problem, I forgive you. That, that's, not my, that's not my natural response, but God calls us to forgive. And maybe the best we can do is just simply say, Jesus I'm going to try. Uh, see, forgiveness in particular can, for us, be a, pro, a, a process. For God, it's instantaneous. God, God can forgive and forget immediately. Once you've, once you've confessed something, God forgets it and it's gone. He doesn't remember. For us, forgiveness is a little bit more of a process. That, that's why it calls for us sometimes 
to simply say, I'm going to try to be like you, God. Let me, let me tell you this story. I, I have a friend named Larry. Uh, uh, did a church at Rushville with us for years, and now attends church at Central and is in our Sunday school class that we attend there. And he, uh, I don't know, it's been about three years ago, his, his only daughter was nearly beaten to death by her estranged husband. Her estranged husband broke into her house one night, uh, injured their daughter put, by pushing her aside, and literally beat Larry's daughter almost to death. And Larry believes that he thought that he had killed her, and that's why he left. She, uh, uh, hair ripped out of her head, bones broken, teeth chipped. I mean, he just, it was terrible. Uh, he was arrested, convicted, thrown in jail. But Larry comes to Sunday school and tells us the story. And, and, and over months, every time an idea of forgiveness would come up, I knew what Larry was going to say. He'd sit there and he'd, <laughs> he'd look at us and he'd say, I can't forgive. If I had a gun, well, he has a gun. If I saw him out on the street, I'd take my gun and I'd kill him. And, and, and as a class, we're trying to work with Larry through this. And, and yeah, Larry, yeah, we understand, but you know, God does call you to forgive. I can't forgive. Yeah, I know. Larry, you can't of your own accord, but you know what? God can. And, and I'd love to tell you that one Sunday it just hit, and Larry's like, well, I forgive him. Uh, it's, not, it's not the case. It, it took months, if not a year, year and a half, two years, before Larry got to the point where he could say, I forgive him. I don't know that he's convinced yet. In fact, if the guy walked out on the street and Larry had his gun, I'm still not sure that I wouldn't be visiting Larry in prison. But... But he, he's working to that point. Does he feel warm and fuzzy? Does it feel natural? Does it, is it what he wants to do? Not at all. But he simply knows, hey, God has called me to forgive even the most egregious thing. And, and he's trying to be like God. It's a process for him. Uh, Leroy Lawson, in his book, uh, uh, Living the, the, the Guidelines for the Christian uh, Walk, tells this this story about Charles Bitterman. Charles Bitterman was a missionary with Wycliffe Bible Translators in, uh, in the country of Columbia. He was headquartered in, in Bogota, but, but would work, do most of his work out in, in the villages outside of town. On March 7, 1981, uh, Charles Bitterman's body was found blindfolded with a gaping gunshot wound to the chest. He had been killed by, by someone in the country. As you might imagine, his parents were crushed. They, they were grief-stricken. Their, their initial response was understood. We want revenge. We want someone to pay. They, their, their life was, was controlled by this desire to find out who had done this to their son, who, who was simply trying to spread the gospel, find out who did this, and make him pay. How you doing, buddy? I think he's saying it's time for the invitation hymn. <laughs> Almost, we're about there. He, they, were, they, they were overcome with this idea of they, they've got to pay for what they've done to, to our son. But slowly God began to place in their heart and in their spirit, you've got to forgive. You've got to let go of the pain. You've got to give up the bitterness. You've got to give up this anger and desire for revenge. And the reality was it didn't happen overnight. In fact, they decided the way they were going to show forgiveness was an act of service, an act of kindness. They raised $10,000 for, 
flew to Bogota, uh, Colombia, went out into the village where he had done most of his work, and they purchased an ambulance for, for the hospital of that city because they didn't have one. Did their hearts feel all warm and fuzzy? We want to, I don't know, they struggled with it. But their thought was, if, if we can just simply do something that God wants us to do, we can get there. Sometimes the best we can do is simply mimic what Christ would do. And then our heart will follow. Uh, he goes on, I'll, I'll go quickly. Here he goes on, uh, we're, we're called to serve. In John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17, I won't read it, I'll just tell the story. You know the story. It's when Jesus washed the, the feet of his disciples. And basically when he, when he was done, he, he said, okay, I'm your Lord and your teacher, and if I do it, then you need to do it as well. You need to serve one another. Service doesn't come natural. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier at the start. It's not a natural desire for most of us. Yeah, volunteer, that's me. Serve, yeah. Give up time at home, sign me up. Where do I put my name? Doesn't come natural sometimes. Has God called us to serve? Has, Has He called us to use our gifts? Has He called us to be a blessing to others? Has He called us to pour our spirit into the spirit of other people? Uh, yeah. So I guess I need to try to be like him. I don't really want to sign up, but okay, I will. As Chad said, who gets the blessing? Usually it's the one that signs up. They're blessed by that. We're called to be holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16 uh, tells us that we're to be holy because he is holy. I don't like to be holy. I don't want to be set apart. That's hard. But God has called us to be just that. If you have your notes in your Bible, I, let me just go ahead and give you, what, if you want to fill it out, you can. We're, we're, we're not going to take the time to go, go through the rest of this. Uh, another definition is, is we're called to, uh, 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 of imitating, is to reproduce in form. Uh, the, the reality is we need, we need to be reproduced just like Christ is. And part of the way we can do that is imitate others and imitate Jesus. Uh, we could do a whole sermon on there. And the last one is we need to resemble Christ. We need to live so that we look just like Him. Let me close with this. You, you, might, you might know the name, Jack Swigert. Uh, if, if you like the movie Apollo 13, you know the name. Jack Swigert was... Uh, played by Kevin Bacon in the movie Apollo 13. He was uh, the, the, the pilot, the lunar pilot of, 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 of that mission in 1970. Uh, years later, in 1980, he was elected uh, to serve as a congressman from the 6th District of Colorado. But before he could actually serve, he was in Washington, but before he could actually take his seat, he was diagnosed with cancer a very aggressive form of cancer, found himself in the hospital dying of cancer. There was a gentleman that would go most every night. His name was Bill Armstrong. Armstrong was a senator from Colorado. He was the chairman of the subcommittee that was working with the, the hottest issue of the day, which dealt with Social Security. He was, was powerful, uh, he was important, and he was one of the most busy men in all of Washington. And yet, night after night, he would find his way to Georgetown Hospital, to the bedside of Jack Swigert, where he would sit with him and encourage him and pray with him. 
one night he was at his bedside and he was letting Jack know you're not alone. Your, your, your family's here. Your friends are here. You're, you're, you have support here. God loves you. It's going to be okay. And he said there was no response, just the labor breathing of his friend. So he opened up his Bible and began to read Psalm 23. And, and when he finished, he, he just kept reading. And as he got to the last chapter of Psalms, he noticed that his friend Jack Swigert had stopped breathing, had gone on to be with the Lord. Why? Why did Armstrong, who had so much to do and so many things and responsibilities, why did he find himself night after night at the, the bedside of his friend? Because that's what he felt God wanted him to do. As a believer, it was his heart to share his faith and his encouragement and his love with his friend. Did he really want to? But he wanted to be like Christ. We're called here in Ephesians to imitate God. We're told that we belong to him, that he loves us, that we're saved by his grace, that we're adopted into his family, that we didn't belong, but now we, we are so blessed that God has called us to be his. And now we're called to be like him. We're called to imitate his life. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house. Father, what a blessing it is that you choose us. You choose us who are uh, oftentimes enemies of you, who who live uh, in, a, in opposition to you. But Father, you still choose us to be your instruments, to be your hands and feet. Father, you choose us to show people the love that you have. Father, help us be an imitation of you. Help us show people what you look like and how you love and your passion by the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week I, I mentioned that, that one of the things we have to find is the passion of God. What's God's passion? God's passion, God's passion is people. God's passion is us. God's passion is the children. God's passion is the elderly. God's passion is the brokenhearted. God's passion is the hurting. God's passion is our family. God's passion is His church. If you want to be like God, then have His passion. Be be like him with a passion for people. If you have a decision you need to make this morning, we'd encourage you uh, to come uh, as we stand and sing our decision hymn.